0: The Big Red Couch, a podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pictures to you. Welcome, listener, to episode 111 of The Big Red Couch. Tonight on the couch we have, over in jolly old England, Craig, and here in the New Zealands is Ben. How's it going, Craig? I hear you committed a Gen Con. I did commit a
1: Gen Con. I am super duper (laughs) jet-lagged and really, really tired, and I'm not as convinced as I'd like to be that
0: I didn't fall asleep at work today. You had one of those days where things occurred and you were there for them, but, yeah, it wasn't the normal sort of cause and effect kind of scenario.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, bits of it were dealing with... With Visual Studio and TFS, which is enough to make me doubt my own sanity at the best of times. But there were certain elements of, come on, brain, just work with me here. (laughs) If we figure this out, we can go and get more coffee. You can do it. Right. I actually have been muttering that to myself over the course of the day. Fair
0: enough. But yes, I committed a Gen Con. Hurrah. We'll... Discuss your hijinks a bit later, I suspect. But, you know, to keep to the format, we should probably go over to this week's prompt and come up with the uh, wacky ideas that uh, in response to it. This episode's prompt came from John Rea and s- reads We're wearing fizzes, sunglasses, and it's dark out. Hit it. So, what'd you come up with? <laughs> uh, Shriners in space? You're kidding me. No. Okay, because I went with Shriners as well for, for at least a bit of it. Okay. Because the fairs is, fezes, right? Well, you, you go and look at the history of the fairs, and it's like Fuzzy Bear, Shriners, a weird comedian from England. Or is he a magician? I'm not sure. Tommy Cooper? Tommy Cooper, yeah. And uh, colonialism and Orientalism and yeah. some bad feeling in Turkey. So
1: Quite a lot of bad feeling in Turkey, yeah.
0: Yeah, so... So this episode, dedicated to the Shriners. <laughs> well, yeah, running a game of people, you know, escaping Ataturk's regime because they're historical, Fezloving living Ottomans, not really in our wheelhouse. Let's, let's call it right there. I would
1: very much like to not run that game if it were an option. Yeah, I mean, I've i got the, 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 the Shriners option. I've also got the Island of Dr. Moreau Val Kilmer edition uh, option.
0: Oh, you're thinking of the aluminium ice-filled fez. That would be the bunny. <laughs> okay, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Do you want to do Shriners in space? Do you want me to lead off with the non-Shriner idea? Well, the whole statement kind of is evocative of the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Shriners as being a mildly masonic fraternal brotherhood um, and a lot of other those fraternal brothers and some, some of some really exotic names have you know fezzes as these i guess they just used fezzes because they were clearly not normal garb for the era in which the fraternal brotherhoods were you know, established there was something ex, you know basically exotic about them so yeah, this was clearly we are not behaving normally. We are outside of our normal context doing things for charity and riding tiny cars and so forth.
1: And so this is our we are doing abnormal stuff hat so that everybody knows just in case there was any any confusion.
0: May not be as much, you know, so there's the idea of the, of a masquerade being – it's a bit like the idea of the, the magic circle, um, the way that there is a – agreement between a theater and an audience or the way that at a masquerade people often behave differently or in more extreme ways because they are, they, they take on the, the, the characteristics or at least the anonymity of a mask. This is kind of the phase is kind of like the, the flashing we are being silly light. No judgment on that. it sounds like the Shriners do a lot of, you know, local, charity work and good stuff in their communities and so and, and good on them. Any excuse to do that sort of thing and formalize it in some way doesn't sound terrible. Indeed. And having a bit of fun with it while they do so. Indeed. Hmm. So I guess this is where they say, we are not, we are not stuffy businessmen today or, you know, or the pillars of the community. We are guys doing odd stuff for a good cause. Hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, the, the one of, if uh, thinking about a game, slash setting where i would put shriners into that wasn't some sort of dark constructive uh, sort of deconstructivist twin peaksy kind of thing because that could go places uh, would be something like tales from the floating vagabond and in fact if i went through the tales from the floating vagabond rulebook and didn't see someone in affairs basically or uh, basically being you know something identifiable as a Shriner. i'd be a little surprised it's the kind of thing that the sort of pop culture americana thing that that, that would suit that ent- entirely so the idea of somebody rather, somebody
1: wearing a fez on top of a spacesuit in a tiny
0: little spaceship yes yes okay yeah yeah that's kind of thing that i would not i'd not be shocked to see so yeah that would if I was to construct a game and then I must confess I've got a very loose idea of what would work Precisely They could be, you know, Space Rhiners could be Whole wholesome antagonists in some ways Some people trying to do something that the players are trying to also do but they are do, they're doing it's a mad 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 world kind of thing um or the pcs are working for or with the the themselves attempting to save the children's hospital or orphanage or whatever and if you were going to do a road movie game involving collisions and explosions and maybe not illinois nazis Doing it in space or space a, Illinois Nazis, sorry, sorry. We, already, we 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 have, we did space Kansas already. We, we not we um haven't done space Illinois because yeah that does seem like going back to the same well <laughs> a little bit. I think there was also where space space Canada came up right yeah. Anyway, so it's mean, I know space Illinois might be lovely this time of year, but the idea of Wacky chases, collisions, hijinks, and colourful characters. I think Tales from the Floating Vagabond would fit pretty well. Yeah,
1: yeah, it would be a very well. As I understand it, Tales from the Vagabond, is... Floating Vagabond, is not a
0: particularly serious game. New, no, new. No. Yeah, that was that was, my, that was my, my, my my understanding of it. For a game about drinking, it has curiously incomplete drinking rules. Well, possibly they were drunk. Maybe. It does kind of turn up at the end of the book. And while there are sort of like ratings for um, alcoholic beverages, there isn't apparently a mechanism, mechanic for getting sober. Interesting. Apart from drinking so much you throw up. Well, I mean, that does work. Yeah, but that's the only mechanism. Time doesn't apparently. (laughs) That's an issue. Maybe they addressed it on the PDF. I don't know. Seems odd, though.
1: <laughs> I wasn't aware that um, Floating Vagabond was new enough to have a PDF option.
0: Uh, things get re- re-released or, you know, repackaged, especially oh. when they go brutally out of print. <laughs> yeah. Extremely out of print. Yeah. Okay. So that's my terrible idea. If you can help make it better, or, you know, just... I just, just take this as a uh, an option to segue into your own idea, transition. Oh, well, just kind of spitballing
1: the idea of yeah, the the yeah the the wacky races possibly through ast- through inexplicably dense asteroid fields and across alien planets and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I feel there should be sort of weird hillbilly esque refueling stops on distant asteroids with yeah that that, that kind of vibe. I can see if the thing starts in a bar, and it probably wouldn't be a Shriner bar, but it might also be the place where sort of the local business people and pillars of the community are. So I, c- I can see it working. I can see sort of coming into the bar and there being the, the meeting of the um, Shriner's local 487th or something. I don't actually know what the numbers for those things mean. It's just, just a thing I picked up from American TV shows because I am a cultural sponge. Mm.
0: Uh, and if you're going to have people meeting in any bar ever, the uh, floating vagabond being at the centre of the universe and co- basically simultaneously coexisting with every bar in the universe... Would be the ideal place to do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, you can have you can have some fun there with space shriners. You can potentially have some fun there with non-space Shriners. That if, if it does coexist with every bar ever, then you've maybe maybe got a group of worried men holding their fizzes in their hands trying to figure out how on earth they're going to save Sister Mary's orphanage. Mm. Um, and a bunch of s- drunken space reprobates doing the, well, hell, we'll help. What's a Sister Mary? Hmm. Um, so you do have the option of effectively the the Blues Brothers sort of scenario but with a bunch of space truckers and out-and-out aliens on Earth present day if you wanted to go down that road.
0: Mm.
1: Or alternatively, the, the space Shriner thing. I mean, then saving the orphanage could be a case of it's going to be foreclosed upon. It could be a case of the asteroid that it's hollowed into is going to be churned up for a mining, con- a gravel construction concern. Um, it could be Sister Mary's orphanage
0: is on a collision course with the sun. I'm just trying to get my head around the civilization that puts orphanages in asteroids. I assume they put... I, I was I was on a roll. I'm not sure that roll went anywhere sensible. In context, if, say, other things go on asteroids as well, it may make more sense. But the idea is, like, well, sorry to hear about you folks, but kid, but you're off to the asteroid belt. (laughs) That seems extremely harsh.
1: I remember a TV show from my childhood called, I believe, Father Murphy, which was based around an orphanage set up by a fake priest. Okay. It was an American thing, uh, American gold rush thing. And basically, you know, there's, there's panning for gold, there's mining for gold, there's all this sort of stuff occurs. And then a tunnel collapses and you've got a bunch of kids who are orphaned. And so you've got the cares in spite of himself, somewhat gruff um, miner who thinks somebody's got to look after these kids, wants to set up an orphanage and discovers that the only way it can be done you know the, the the rules basically say no. If it's an orphanage, it has to be a church thing. Otherwise, these will be taken off to to be cared for by the by the state or province government, which is assumed to be a very bad thing. Hmm. And so, basically, he pretends
0: to be a priest, which is somehow construed as being a less bad thing. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> Presumably, yeah. <laughs> I don't know
1: how long the show went for, but it had its it had its moments. I mean, I'm I'm remembering this over oh, probably 35 years ago that mm. I saw this thing, but I do remember it had it had quite a nice line in characters characters having believable change of heart changes of heart, which wasn't exactly a feature of the time. The believability or the the magical uh, changes of heart. The, the 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 believability. Normally, it was a bit sort of a and the plot requires this, so. Mm.
0: Yeah I I that that does make me recall another TV series that I'm not sure I I I only certain I didn't dream because there are there are like websites and so forth dedicated to it no surviving moving images but a, it's a show called Luna from the early 80s uh, where basically it was a kids version of paranoia huh yeah also you but yeah, it, it had uh, a an argot as thick and weird as anything from um, 2000 AD or a clockwork orange. The the young female protagonist was nearly terminated for losing her identity papers in the first episode uh yeah it's like and it's all supposed to be bureaucracy and hijinks and so forth it was also this is very dark every everyone is a clone except for the really old guy who remembers like punk rock of like blank ridge from um uh, max headroom yeah um children referred to as domini beings a time is measured in tox in a, like you know, with a metric sort of scaling system. Um the the how the place where they live, which is some sort of weird dome, is called a habiviron and things like that. And it's like this is a yeah. very weird show. But yes, the idea of it's probably why I'm thinking, Ah, yes, the <laughs> orphanage asteroid. Mmm, that sounds wholesome. <laughs> Indeed.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, maybe maybe the orphanage asteroid isn't. I mean, depending on how creepy you want it to go, maybe it's an asteroid that's been, you know, they've hollowed it out, but they've left enough of a shell there that it, it holds, holds pressure and spin. And then you've just got a bog standard constructed out of, yeah, inexplicably constructed out of wooden planking orphanage inside there, surrounded by darkness. If you just wanted to go with the creepy aspect, which wouldn't really fit the game, which is the image that came to mind. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that that was my attempt at it. I mean, this this feels not quite beer and pretzels, but beer and
0: pretzels adjacent. Yes, indeed. Well, it sounds like that would be the best approach to to take it. a, A fun short term scenario where you meet wacky people and go wacky places and do strange things
1: cool i would play that game possibly in a pub (laughs) Shall i do my my shriner idea absolutely okay well this one this one is is a sort of a more modern day setting but um i decided to go with the idea of you know the shriners are basically the super secret special agents of the masonic order They conceal their activities behind odd costumes and funny little cars and making themselves kind of normalized or at least accepted by sort of charity work and parades and golf tournaments and that kind of thing. And they present themselves as being non-threatening at least. Indeed. Yeah. They're non-threatening. People look at them and they say, Oh, those Shriners, those are weird, but they're an understandable sort of weird. Hmm. And in truth, all of that is to set up a cover because, in the background they are hunting down the forces that prey upon mankind Yeah, they do their planning in heavily fortified lodges with um sort of magical protection that require constant ritual input to to maintain and so yeah depending on how conspiracy theory is you want to go you could go with the idea that the vast majority of shriners and indeed masons have Absolutely no idea that any of this is going on. You know, they're 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 in a businessmen's association. They're going along and they're doing the rituals, and they don't really realise that it's powering these little strongholds, keeping back the darkness. So
0: the the very unknown armies approach to
1: very much so, but yeah, sort of in there we've got basically the you know we're wearing feathers, sunglasses, and it's dark out. Hit it. I would do this as... I don't know whether it would be a one-shot or at least a short run. It's some sort of heist game. There is a bad thing out there. They want to get it out of the way before anybody runs into it, where anybody might be the thousand thousand slimy things that, um, that plague mankind. This is them mobilizing in their tiny little cars at night, in the dark when nobody will see. But they're still wearing the fezzes and the sunglasses, because it's all part of the magic. Clearly, indeed. Also, just thinking about it, there was that really fun scene in the second in the, in the Day Watch movie with somebody driving a BMW or something along the front of a um, big mirror glass building, and so I rather like the idea that the the little cars can do that.
0: Right, they can just pull a ninety degree. Wall climb whenever they um, whenever they need to.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, and just sort of some sort of chase scene. Yeah, some sort of chase scene down an urban canyon where you've got the tiny little cars and possibly some sort of um, being chased by or chasing some sort of monster. That's that's my idea. So it's it's very much a heist sort of game. It would be kind of fun to do it in a system. I mean, you could do a lot worse for any kind of heist game than something like the Leverage RPG. Though, if you wanted a bit more i don't know how
0: well leverage does actually it does sound like this would be quite a bit more um anarchic and possibly arcane because i'm just from the the description of the car the car driving up the wall and so forth and the general sort of chicanery i'm getting a picture of basically doctor strange starring grunkle stan from gravity falls and now i do too nice okay yeah
1: so oh yeah cuz he, he had a fizz. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so maybe maybe leverage isn't quite there but something something that allows you to do a certain amount of arcane weird crap and to deal with a certain amount of arcane weird crap it would be nice to put in some little moments of levity because i rather do like the idea that of a fight suddenly coming to a stop with both sides pausing while you know a group of, of, of mundanes wanders past, just sort of glaring daggers at each other from uh, sort of two opposing awnings as as the traffic goes past, and then when it's quiet again, it's like right all in <laughs> that sort of vibe.
0: Yes, yeah, so or the adversary briefly the adversaries briefly take the form of mimes. So there's these Ooh, shriners nice. standing around observing a a a, a troop of mimes trying to shuffle <laughs> out of sight. So, so, yeah, they're innocuous enough to count as innocuous. Nice. I like that. So, yes, for whatever reason, the yeah, they, the
1: bad guys can't really come out into the daylight either. So it's very
0: much a war being fought in secret. They don't have the camouflage the Shriners have built up over time. and they're, they're, um, Yeah, so they need to take more extreme steps Mm. and maybe there's a there's an element of the of paradox in there that these things aren't supposed to exist and while the tragically uninformed masses don't know about them also there's enough of them and they believe hard enough that they don't know about them that if they notice they might just stop existing
1: Mm, okay Oh, there you go. Big red couch advocating the use of the uh, the mage system. You heard it, here, heard it here first? I don't think we've gone that far. That's, uh... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just checking. Yes, I will gleefully admit
0: that I, I never really understood the logic behind paradox in the mage system. Well, the purpose of it was not to prevent, like for the, the masquerade and so forth, was prevent these magic edgelords from running around and just blowing each other up with fireballs because that wasn't the, I- that wasn't the idea. This was supposed to be subtle and clever and secret. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not just your standard D and D have at you kind of deal. All those secretive and subtle things that I've never
1: actually heard of occurring in a game.
0: Yeah. That might be the um, whole mechanics. D- defeating the, um, the, the story approaches but yes I do remember reading
1: yeah reading the rules that have come to the conclusion of okay so apparently you're tattling on yourself
0: to the universe
1: that makes no sense
0: oh yeah you didn't even it <clears throat> a paradox was self inflicted wasn't it it was just yeah even if nobody what if you if you're alone in the room and
1: you do the thing you can still cause paradox which would just made no sense to me but anyway um, moving side Mm-hmm. So yeah I mean system wise if I wasn't going high arcane I would definitely think something heisty and clever and and uh, clever and subtle so something like uh, leverage for something with a bit more fump and action not leverage
0: maybe something fatey? possibly something with a good degree of um improvisation and using the, the using the setting in which you find yourself
1: yeah dresden files is probably a bit too magic-y for what i have in
0: mind because you know, uh, and and the magic system is fairly constrained by um like if you do something serious there are serious consequences this sounds less serious than that yeah this is people working with a
1: a fairly limited set of tools they're very good tools but they're pretty limited.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. So yes, that was, that was my, that was my Shriner idea. Okay. Shall I go with the, the Island of Dr. Moreau idea? Okay. Um, For, for the record, this is referencing a scene in the Val Kilmer, Marlon Brando, I think Ferruzia Bulk, Island of Dr. Moreau remake where In order to deal with migraines, we have the hilarious scene of Marlon Brando, an enormous mumu, wearing what amounts to a stainless steel fez on his head, which is being filled by altered animal cat girl edition Faroozia bulk uh, with ice to to cool his head down. It's a very odd scene. And so once fezes were mentioned, I, I sort of thought of that and basically just tried to come up with something where the fizzes and the sunglasses and the fact that it was dark out, but you're still wearing sunglasses made sense. Um, And so what I came up with is the idea and idea of effectively stealing wholesale from the movie, a quiet place, which I'm going to try not to spoil. The idea is that there is, there is a something out there, a, a monster or perhaps a lot of little monsters yeah, I think sort of the bugs from that episode of The X-Files, where during the day, it's light out. You wouldn't see them. They just kind of blend in with the light of the sun. Uh, and you don't really know that they were there until they already had you. So you can't really go out during, during the day. But in the dark, they glow. And they glow really, really bright to the extent that they'll burn your eyes if you're not wearing sunglasses. But they're also everywhere. So you can put on sunglasses, it won't hurt your eyes, and the glow of whatever the hell these creatures are will basically show you what the world looks like. Um, The thing is, they attack stuff that is living, basically warm-blooded, warm things. And so that's where the fizzes filled with ice come in. So... Because, yeah, I I, I know that the the, the whole you lose most of your heat through your head thing may or may not be a myth. But for our purposes, I find it kind of funny that you've got people who are out there wearing fizzes filled with ice to cool themselves down to the point that the creatures maybe don't notice them. Sunglasses on so they can actually make out their surroundings. Gathering supplies, trying to figure out how to escape from this. I mean, I'm just imagining it as a kind of a, a, a plague of tiny little bugs. That's mm. Just covering
0: everything. Um, I mean, a small technical upgrade to that idea. I watched oh, somebody please. playing with um, cheap green um, spectrum uh, laser pointers, or lasers actually. Don't point these at people; you'll blind them. Um, mm. But the issue was that they were the, these cheap ones use an infrared diode and then push it through a couple of crystals. To change, to change the wavelength to green but they're not 100% effective and the checkpoints don't also have a filter for the infrared light so you can end up with unexpected wavelengths of light which are still bright inverted commas enough to, to enter your sight but are also invisible so maybe the sunglasses huh. as it were were things that allowed you to see where they were because maybe they, 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 they sit in big it, the idea that these critters might be like translucent you know they would be sitting there in great big piles soaking up sunlight and the interlay until they spot something Warm enough or active enough to to jump on in the middle of the day and maybe the but maybe they spend the nights sort of casting around with um, the, the infrared that they've stored up to, to see if they can spot things and maybe the, the breaking up your your silhouette by having cold air cascading down you from your your jolly head-mounted um cryo fears
1: cryo fears <laughs> sorry we just named the game
0: <laughs> cryo fears okay
1: cryo i'm writing that down
0: <laughs> so yeah that might be the, uh, the the guy in question i forget the title of his youtube but he's the guy who who plays with head crushingly big um rare earth magnets okay The I recall a video of his where because he had two like multiple pound rare earth magnets, he decided it was sensible that instead of having these two things in the same building and the potential of them flying through space into one another's arms and then probably causing an explosion because these things are brittle (laughs) and would approach one another at a shocking rate. Um, Mm. He got a, 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 a complicated kind of wooden slide and like plastic wedges to so they could align, align the two things and then kind of draw one magnet closer to another. And then sort of just so that the tapering slide allowed them to get closer and closer and align them perfectly. Then Him and a friend, struggling very, 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 very difficultly, managed, managed to push the thing down, the, 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 the magnet on the top down on, across the slide. Um, and it aligned perfectly except there was a chunk of the these these plastic shims that they were using to make sure they didn't didn't strike to to too hard uh, that was tracked permanently in the magnet right So it's just not going away anymore yeah it's like though mm, those 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 things are now here forever pretty much I don't know if the magnetism on those sort of magnets wears off but uh, there's no point in trying to get that that piece of plastic back so yeah that's a a a, a possible reason for why these things are uh, optically dangerous and um, you want to avoid and you want to avoid them both at night and at um, and during the daytime. You need to come up with something for the players to do other than gather
1: supplies. Cause that's boring. And from memory, the way land of the dead started, and then somebody got bit and it all went down in the handbasket. So, yeah, you'd need, you'd need them to be doing something, whether it's once we get the necessary gear, we can we can fix the boat, put out to sea, and be safe from the critters. I'd probably steer clear of doing classic zombie film of realistically the monsters outside aren't your biggest threat. It's the people inside, because yeah, it's a bit done to death. As it were. Yes, I'm not. I'm not sure what the resolution of the game is. Maybe that's up to the players.
0: Maybe you, you sort of set up the scenario and then see what the hell they want to do. Mm. People who have played role-playing games will want to fix the problem, probably with fire. Mm. And that doesn't sound like a bad option. If we're dealing with like the, for some reason, I was thinking of the, these things as being like translucent, sort of like a cell or something. As uh, like a, particularly a nerve cell, like a little cluster of things. Oh yeah. Things. Possibly then they maybe stack up into sort of complex shapes while they're um, roosting around looking for um, looking for things,
1: tasty, tasty victuals, as it were.
0: Yes, yes. But yeah, either you're doing the the job of. Maybe they're not a. Maybe they're not a fast threat. Maybe they're not. You know, they're they're even they're they're a. They're a, a, a very, very persistent and dangerous threat, but maybe it's slower than even like uh, uh, the zombie plague or zombies themselves. So it's possible that whatever reason they're here or whatever way you have of stopping them is in an area which has been largely taken over by these things. And people have either hunkered down, um, been felled or have fled from these things. So, But you have to send your team in to go and find where they came from, or what laboratory was working on the cure or the fix for the idea, and was um, overrun. So there cool. is a there is a very specific the very specific goal. Plus, from if you could you could escalate it from running into comps of these things, which are clearly dangerous, and you need to work your way around them. To there's a clump of these things right in the way, and we're now girt by skyscrapers so this is difficult to okay now they've started to change and do something different and you could escalate things that way they would be a very it would be like encountering snow for the first time but having no idea how to deal with it Mm. it's like it's just there wait a minute there's more of it holy crap how deep does this stuff get (laughs) Yeah, Where did the ground go? Yeah, so it's like all these sorts of hazards that you would probably, you you could easily infer that you had understood that there were places with snow, and or you lived in a place with snow to varying degrees. The idea of suddenly coming, oh, that stuff freezes and falls from the sky. What? <laughs> mm. It's almost a dungeon crawl at that point. It's yeah, it could be an open air dungeon crawl to the and the notion that yeah, in different circumstances, the that the stuff could arrange itself in, especially if it's like its visibility is questionable because you can't look at it because you know things maybe it's you you have to you know you have to have the the eye protection and staring straight out is not a great idea at the best of times because you know the eye protection has to let some light in otherwise you are you're you're moving around by touch and maybe it's it's the behavioral thing means that it shapes itself into exotic um, or confusing shapes. So you could have maybe an entire lineage of the various cloaker, trapper, stun jelly, stalagmite monsters from um, D and D. Cool. Yeah, that'd work. I mean, the whole thing of dangerous to look at does kind of put me in mind of Day of the Triffids. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Triffids was something that was thinking, especially since the, pos- the the likely result of something disgorging infrared lasers round randomly is blindness and possible consumption by the thing that, that blinded you. Yeah, mm.
1: that went to a strange place, but kind of cool.
0: Yeah, the yeah the escalation would be the the the. The behavior of these creatures goes from being, oh, there's big piles of them, we'll just avoid the big, glowy piles, to why are they, like, in streamers above the street? Or, yeah. Why are they stacked up there when we need to go there? Uh, to maybe these things just aren't, like, laser plankton or whatever the fuck they are. There's something else going on. Mm, they are doing. Something, hmm, whatever it is, it's like what were we expected?
1: Mm, i have a ridiculous fragment of an idea, it mm-hmm. was mostly around the idea of yeah a fez with mystic symbols on it, and the tassel, the tassel is important, um essentially being an earthic point, an earthing point for uh, magical energies, so you've got your sunglasses. Which are presumably protecting you, uh, which, which is presumably just to make it look make, make yourself look cool, mm-hmm. and maybe to protect your eyes. And the fez is so that um, any spells cast on you get earthed back into the environment, leaving you functionally intact. Mm-hmm. I'd buy that. That was mostly just yeah, mostly because I just like the idea of people mm-hmm. wading into battle wearing fezes with these sort of huge, you know, sort of blazing pillars of magical energy shooting from the tops of their heads for no readily explainable reason. Mm. It's a bit read or die now that I think of it. Maybe.
0: The tassel could be like a one of those... the very simple radiation detection. Um, oh. it it's just like a, a, a jar with you know, like two strips of gold foil, I think it is, and the, or at least two strips of metal and the... Particles striking them cause them to deflect because they charge them differently. Maybe the, 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 the tassel on the fez rears up and, in reaction to magic in, in the vicinity. Cool. Yeah, if you went with that,
1: if you went with that, you could have a lot of fun you know, you know, step, stepping away from the Shriner uh, aspect of it, fun as it is. You could have a lot of fun, possibly in the Unknown, unknown Armies line or possibly in a... Um, possibly in a different uh, a different setting of just the idea of yeah you've you've found granddad's trunk where he had a bunch of weird orientalist crap from some some lodge he was involved in but yeah, you know, he's got these feathers and they're pretty cool and we've been wearing them for okay god this is a kids on bikes scenario i am so sorry
0: <laughs> well why are you sorry about that oh
1: i'm just okay it's not only a kids' it's basically a stranger things scenario it is basically a bunch of kids playing D in the basement they've found the um they've found grandpa's uh, box of orientalist crap and are wearing the fezzes because they think it's pretty cool and then the fezzes start to react to something naturally none of the adults will believe it naturally the fezzes never do that when anybody in authority might uh might be inclined to see it and believe it. And so naturally it's going to be up to the kids to solve this shit.
0: Hmm. Actually, that's a, um, nostalgic fantasy, um, wish fulfillment. I haven't seen yet. The kids find dads or granddads or Mars or grandmas D and D books and their, their, their lap gear and so forth and scoff and chuckle and, Oh, what dorks they were. And, Hey, this sword is real. Wait a second. (laughs) Look at this. They wrote some of their own spells. These are pretty weird spells, dude. (laughs) Was this a sex thing? (laughs) No. No, I think, well, that one maybe. But (laughs) this looks like they (laughs) were really fighting monsters. Holy shit. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, it's sort of like the um, C.S. Lewis but the, the good book that everything has been referring back to is the previous generation's nostalgia for Dungeons and Dragons.
1: Huh. Because I was wondering whether it's, yeah, this is a case of ad, yeah, fantasy adventuring party ends up crossing the worlds and just quietly hides their shit and it just gets bundled in with a bunch of RPG stuff. Are you thinking that direction, or are you thinking the much stranger direction of, no, 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 the entire existence of TSR is a blind. Mm. The moral panic was, in fact, correct. They just didn't know about
0: it, or they had the, um, they got the wrong end of the stick. These people were indeed combating sinister forces, but they weren't the ones calling them up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that seems very that seems like a cynicism on the level of ready Player One, but it um, is <laughs> <laughs> quite cynical was <laughs> like, look, kids, your folks were cool, and by d and d true, we need
1: to make it Pathfinder somehow. oh, that wasn't we oh awkward, okay, that's pretty cool, and as you say, a variety of wish fulfillment as yet untapped by by media, so we should
0: get on this ship indeed. It's always awful when you have the idea. It's like, wow, if I was a real scumbag, I could mint on this one, couldn't I? <laughs> How do I make money off
1: this? Yeah, that that, that, that would work solidly for a um, yeah kids on bikes styled adventure. Possibly mm. using kids on bikes as a
0: system because it is out there. Yeah, I think I cool. kickstarted it. I'm beginning oh. to lose track, <laughs> which is probably that, a, a worry. bad
1: sign. I am admittedly trying to find out how I collect my rewards from a Kickstarter that I did, because um, I was like overseas when the the rewards came due, and so I just wasn't really keeping track of the emails. And now, it's so I mean, it was a board game cafe, or just
0: turn up and ask?
1: Uh, what do I do? So, yeah,
0: email them. I'm sure they'll sort it out. There's, all, there's bound to yeah. always be um, edge cases with those poor folks. Um, Pretty much. Well, I mean, they've got a physical location, so I might just phone
1: them tomorrow, given that it's a Saturday. Yeah, cool. Go in. Since they are in Greenwich, which is not as close to Aylesbury as I'd like. <laughs> same time it zone? It is the same time zone, yes. that That Eddie? is a distinct improvement on some of the other uh, some of the other stuff that's happened recently speaking of oh nice the gen con the gen con the gen con was really good i enjoyed the hell out of it i managed to get pre-con crud which is a new one on me and i am personally blaming entirely on the existence of lax as an airport seems fair i mean it could have something to do with the 12 hours in a plane prior to that but or indeed, just getting rained on heavily my first day
0: in Indianapolis. But I, I want to blame LAX because it deserves it. It knows what it did. It does put weight on the argument that the the th- stuff that people say they catch at the con probably they call it on the way to the con, or because they were stressed out getting s- sorted out for the con, as much as as likely as actually getting something at the con.
1: <sighs> there is that, yeah. Or just the post con. Yeah, you've been running on adrenaline and caffeine and sugar and vitamin pills, and then you relax a bit and all those bugs say, oh, now's our chance, is it? All right. (laughs) Um, Or indeed, just the whole thing of, yeah, on on an average day, you might come into contact with a couple of germs that your system can deal with. But you're at a con with 65,000 people and 65,000 people's worth of a couple of germs. Yep. Something's going to get through.
0: (laughs) got to make a new friend
1: it really did so yes my my first couple of days of uh, of of the corn involved some fairly heavy uh use of throat/sinus slash sinus, um relieving off the shelf um lozenges and fairly heavy abuse of red bull Um, I did have to refund one event ticket for the Thursday night because I was supposed to be in a game of part-time gods, second edition, which had just recently been released. But it was going to finish at midnight, and I think that just would have killed me. So Mm. I refunded that one and got some sleep instead. I'm not amazingly happy about having to do so, but it was probably the right thing to do. Okay. So, did you get some actual gaming in? <laughs> I did. I got in a couple of games of Masks, which I very much liking as a system. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, the nice people of uh, Magpie Games were were good enough to sell me the main book in hardback and point out that they also had a couple of different supplements also in hardback. And I effectively handed over my wa- uh, my money and said my wallet and said, "Please take my money."
0: Well, they will oblige, and that's why they're there. So that's good.
1: They did, and they were—they were very cheerful about it—and showed me the um, card game RPG that is being kickstarted at the moment, uh, Zombie World, mm-hmm. powered by the Apocalypse card game-based RPG. Okay, pretty interesting. I can't claim to have played it because I was looking at this in the the vendor hall, but it was. Um, It was interesting, and I ended
0: up backing it because I have low sales resistance. Especially when your disease resistance has been impaired.
1: Yeah, indeed. My disease resistance has been impaired, and then they they got me.
0: The Fiends.
1: Cool. So, yes, there was that. I got to try Torg
0: Eternity, the, the relaunch of Torg. Had you played the original Torg? A very long time ago. I... And but so, somebody gifted me a copy of, of a very very good condition um, of the original box set a while ago. and I, so I've been c- catching up on gospogs and Stele and um, darkness devices. gospogs. Uh, they are some sort of vegetable minion that the uh, high lords grow out of the <laughs> out of fields of the dead, which is actually kind of creepy on a like grandiose, creepy sort of scale yeah that's a little creepy this is more than a little creepy okay did did it involve lots of cards it did okay mm-hmm. right the cards were they were double-headed cards one side for the 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 heroes which are mostly kind of i do a thing or i do a thing especially hard um and the other side for the villains where they were where the um, various things will uh can Be made to happen.
1: Huh. Okay. Well, the cards are definitely still there. I played the game. I cannot pretend that I really understood much of what was what was going on. The person running it, well, it was supposed to be a rules will be taught. The person running it basically just assumed that everybody had exactly the same knowledge that they did, and ran through the scenario with the thumb on the fast forward. So, a three-hour game. Uh was done in an hour and three quarters. And to be honest, I was glad of it.
0: But if they'd actually been telling you what was going on, it would have made sense to run it to the three hour mark and actually, I think so. Yes. Um, okay. Cause yes, there was kind of, I
1: mean, one of the other players had to tell me, okay, this is how the dice rolling system works. Hmm. Yeah. There were cards in play. There was other stuff going on with different cards and at various times, different rules were in effect. I have no idea what they are or what they did. So let's say I've been present for a game of Torg Eternity and leave it at that. That's a disappointment. Yeah, a little bit. It, it hasn't turned me off the game so much as it just turned me off ever ever running
0: uh, playing in a game with that guy. Troubling. Did the did the scenario make a sort of sense? Like the the presentation? The scenario
1: was quite good. Yeah, it was. The scenario was day one Nile Empire and pretty much as as described it is day one of the world changing so you are in egypt Mm. and then suddenly there's this the 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 pyramids are in a much spiffier condition and there are these weird egyptian themed tanks and serpent guards and then people start developing weird magical powers cool Mm. and and doing heroic shit and
0: necessarily heroic shit
1: that is true. Yes, it was. It was generally explained that in um, in the Nile Empire, the more ridiculous and Indiana Jonesy the thing was, the more likely it is to work. Yeah, hmm. I don't know if there are actual mechanics involved in that. I would assume so, but I don't know what they are. As I recall,
0: there 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 were indeed.
1: Let's see. So there was that one. Um, uh, there was a game of Heavy Metal Thunder Mouse.
0: Okay, you have my
1: attention. Indeed, it is a game about mouse biker gangs. Sorry, motorcycle clubs. (laughs) The cheese wheels, for that is what we were named, were a motorcycle club who happened to be having problems with a shipment of rennet that we were going to be using to make some high-grade parmesan, which was at about the point that we realized, okay, we're actually playing tiny little furry drug manufacturers. (laughs) Right. So, so that was the thing. It it was a lot of fun. It was it was a very good table. Sort of one of those one of those tables where even before the game starts, the players and the GM have basically kind of formed a, a rapport and um, and and just sort of go forward from there. So that that was really good. Got to play that with a friend of mine from Indianapolis because he had requested, yeah, find an entertaining RPG and and let's play that. So this was the entertaining RPG, Heady Metal Thunder Mouse. Cool. Fate Edition. And the last one on the last day was um, a game of Last Best Hope. It's been a while since I've heard of this one, though. It's sort of in the wheelhouse of movies like Sunshine or Day After Tomorrow, the the great big end of humanity disaster kind of, of stories where not all of the characters are going to be making it out of the end of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And the system the system did not grab me. Um, I will say I I enjoyed playing the game. The bit where we're kind of making up, well, okay, what is what is the threat to humanity? What is the um what is the problem? That bit was really fun, and making up the crew and everything was really fun. But the actual system I found I really, really didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like at the at the point at which some decent role-playing is going on, suddenly the system leaps in and you're metagaming and rolling dice. Hmm. So, this is one of the reasons why why
0: I at least go to conventions, is to try games that I've heard of and see whether I like them or not. Do you think it's a thing which is, like, f- based on your facility and familiarity with the system, that you could... that could become more fluid? I I don't, dealing with starting off dealing with fate It felt quite cumbersome because you were having to think about how you um, how you Negotiated and described actions To make them make sense in context, but they became easier as you got more used to the system That's fair um, Maybe Okay, we will give it a solid maybe
1: yeah, I'd, I'd give it a solid maybe. I mean, I will say I don't think it's in any way a bad system. I think it does exactly what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think, is probably not the system for me. Right. Would be my takeaway for, um, my takeaway for that one. That it's... Yeah, a, and I did actually chat with the GM um, for the game. I mean, it's a GMless game, but there was somebody kind of organizing it. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the quasi-GM for the game who did... Did sort of ask you know, if it was running under a different system, would I maybe en- have enjoyed it more? And yeah, probably. the 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 system was was not was not grabbing me, though the way the way the thing works is quite interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the way it can go from yeah you know, that, that it can be a GMless game and still have surprises.
0: No, that's intriguing. I mean, mm. in and of itself, that's I mean, a lot of people when uh, hewing to the old traditional GM is arbiter of all mysteries thing. And I know, I know precisely where they're coming from. They're saying they want to uncover the story and be surprised by things and so forth. It's like, makes sense. But if there's also counter arguments to say, look, you can do the, you can create surprises this way without someone having to bear all the burden of entertaining you with surprises. I think that's pretty, that's interesting in of itself.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one, but probably not for me. Okay. Though it did it did throw up a po- possible um, idea for the previous episode about the Fermi paradox. Mm-hmm. Because we had decided on some sort of space disaster in trying to think of something astronomical that occurred, occurred recently. Um, Tabby's star had actually come up in a... An outbreak deep space game that I'd played like a couple of evenings earlier. Mm-hmm. So that got mentioned as a star with weird fluctuations. At which point it was decided, gigantic space anglerfish. Yikes! Flickering a star in order to, or star-like object, in order to attract intelligence because it likes the nummy nummy intelligence. You. And so that is why the, and that is the solution to the Fermi paradox and also why it's a bad news, because at the point at which you are capable of noticing this thing and going to take a look, you've drawn its attention and it can follow you home. Yes, that seems fairly horrible. Indeed. And that is why we were humanity's last best hope. Five people on a starship. One of whom was a kooky fringe scientist who had brought with him a collection of amulets and left behind the wreckage of an academic career. <laughs> mostly perishing at the hands or tendrils or psychic emanations of a
0: extra-dimensional anglerfish. Yikes. So you had some good games and you had some that's a game games. Yeah, most of the yeah,
1: the vast majority of the games were good. There was one that was just a well I'm sure a game occurred, but I can't really claim to have understood it, and a game of, well that was an entertaining experience, but this is not the game for me. Okay. <laughs> um which I think is a pretty good balance for for a Gen Con. I I spent some money on things, managed to catch up with various friends. <laughs> if any of you are listening, hello.
0: And now I'm very, very tired. <laughs> Maybe we'll unpack some of these experiences and thoughts later on in, in more in less jet-lagged episodes. So, yeah, we can, look, we can look forward to that, I'm sure. Indeed. Well, I'm hoping that anybody out there who
1: has, has played Torg Eternity or has played Our Last Best Hope will will leap up and say, aha, here's what you got wrong about our, my, my favourite system ever, because that would be awesome. hmm Cool. So, yes, that was Gen Con, my annual nerd pilgrimage. Indeed. Now, we actually had a couple of audience ideas for this episode and others uh, from Taz and Ketamono, but given that I'm running in a low brains operation sort of mode at the moment, we're going to hold those ones over to the next episode, where with a bit of luck I will be a little bit less jet-lagged, a little bit more awake, and we can do them justice because
0: they're actually pretty good Mm -hmm. and along with along with those we'll have the prompt for the next uh, for the next episode of volcano day excellent all right thanks everybody and we'll see you next time bye now want to hear more of our shenanigans